Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And these are the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, season 3, episode 8, Night Prey. Series created by Frank Nicluso Jr. and Larry B. Williams, written by Peter Moyan, directed by Armin Mastroianni. Original air date, November 13th, 1989. Just a reminder, dental work, not drunk. So we're back with Season 3, Episode 8, Night Prey. The Cursed Antique is the Cross of Fire, which can destroy vampires after the owner kills someone with the blade hidden in the cross. So this one was a little bit different. It started at the end with Jack on a bench thinking about everything that just happened. And he's kind of like narrating the story. So I kind of like that. I did like the beginning. I really did. Yeah. It's funny because Doug Gramley and I just recorded an episode of Wonderfalls that started at the end. And then you just had flashbacks to everything that got him there. Mm -hmm. And I liked it. He didn't like it. But I liked it because I'm somebody who will read the last page of a book and then read it just to see how they got there. Oh, okay, yeah. So I liked it. I thought it was nice. Yeah, he wasn't a fan. So So it starts in 1969 with Kurt and Michelle on their honeymoon. They're at a restaurant, but someone's watching them. The someone is Evan Van Hellier, and he's a vampire. He follows them as they walk to wherever they're going, and he attacks Kurt knocks him out and bites Michelle to turn her. Kurt wakes up in time to see this, but Evan, with Michelle in tow, leaps or flies away, leaving Kurt on the street. So Kurt spends the next 20 years hunting vampires, trying to find Evan. So Kurt finds a club and he follows a sex worker, vampire, into an alley where she's brought a guy. And I don't know if it was me, but did the guy look just like Ryan? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, he even sounded like him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, so it wasn't just me, and I didn't know if they did that on purpose or something, I don't know, but he did. So the vampire is Jill Hennessy, who was Claire on Law & Order, and was also the star of Crossing Jordan. But we saw her in an earlier episode also playing a sex worker, and it was the one with the snow globe, and I think it was Wedding in Black. Oh, okay. So he ends up staking her. But why did he just watch the whole thing? I mean, he could have done something before she killed the guy. Yeah, I couldn't understand that. I mean, in Jack's monologue, he says this guy was hunting vampires, so this would never happen to anybody else. But yet he lets it happen to this guy, and he stakes her after the fact. Yeah, he does that a couple times, though. It was just kind of weird. So Kurt breaks into a church and grabs a cross. A priest catches him, and Kurt stabs him with it. So I think he went to the church originally just for protection from the vampires chasing him. And, like, taking the cross was just random. I don't think he knew about this cross ahead of time, but he did go out of his way way to use another cross to get to the one in the case so maybe there was a description it looked like there might have been a description on those little labels on the glass case it must have said there was a blade inside the cross because why take one cross and break the glass to get another cross unless you knew yeah but that's why i was confused because he seemed shocked when it first started to glow and everything maybe he knew what it was for but never understood the power in it i guess maybe no he's seen it firsthand you know, somebody could tell you something until you experience firsthand. Right, right. When he stabs the priest, the blood makes it glow. And there's vampires flying outside the church. I don't know if there was one or more than one. I couldn't tell. And then Kurt runs outside with the cross, but the vampire is gone. But it also is almost daylight. So that's probably why. So the priest, as it turns out, was a friend of Jack's. The other priest tells Jack and Mickey about the cross of fire. It was a valuable relic from the Crusades. Was the cross valuable, Father? Yes, it was the... The cross of fire was from the Crusades. They must have known about the knife. Knife? Yes, there was a 
knife built into the blade of the cross was a common practice in the Middle Ages, a form of protection for traveling monks. How did a member of your congregation get hold of this? Mr. Drake? I have no idea. He died several years ago. The cross was a donation in memoriam. So Jack and Mickey come back to the store, and Johnny's waiting for them. It looks like Johnny got a haircut, but he looks so different to me. I bought so too, yeah. so I'm not by myself. It felt like it was more than a haircut that he looked so different, because his face mm-hmm. kind of looked different, but I can't figure out what was different other than the haircut. You wouldn't think that would make him look that different, but he did. So Mickey tells him about Jack's friend, the priest dying, and Mickey starts looking through the manifest. Kurt goes back to watch the club and sees Evan and a woman getting out of a limo. They go into the club, and Kurt tries to follow them, but the bodyguards won't let him in. And then at the store, Mickey's found an entry, Walter Drake and the Cross of Fire. Walter Drake was the name the younger priest gave them, and he was the one who originally donated it to the church when he died. So now we know it came from Lewis's store. So Kurt gets caught trying to get inside the club by the back door, and Kurt uses the cross, and it throws fire and burns the bodyguard. Johnny finds an article in the paper about the dead doorman and the description that seems to fit the man the younger priest described. It also says the victim was burned to death. So Mickey and Johnny go to see the priest again while Jack decides to visit Evan Van Hellier, who's the one the paper said found the body. Meanwhile, Kurt is reading the same news story and now has the name of the vampire he's been looking for all these years. Jack only gets to speak to Evan's other bodyguard. Jack tells him that he's there about the priest's murder. Jack asks if the witnesses saw him carrying a cross and tells this bodyguard that he may have the cross of fire. And the cross of fire seems to be something they all know about. Obviously, I guess if it's a vampire hunting tool, a a vampire would know about it. So Mickey and Johnny bring back more information about the cross from the priest. Father Finn says the cross came from a Hungarian church that bordered Transylvania. Now legend says it was used to bless a member of the congregation who then offered himself to save the village from a vampire. See, there's no proof that the cross is used against vampires. Its powers were just local superstition. One that Lewis could make come true by telling it through the storm. The legend says it was used in Hungary, which is near Transylvania, to bless a parishioner who in turn would offer himself up to save everyone else from a vampire. So Jack thinks that Lewis used the legend to make the cross a weapon against vampires. We know that the objects call out to their users. What makes this one so important? Maybe he's using it to kill vampires. What makes you say that? Well, it all fits with other bodies that have been found near the club. Among the ways you can kill a vampire, decapitation or a stake through the heart. That, that woman that would stab with a blunt instrument. Well, he's got a very powerful weapon to use against them, hasn't he? But of course, in Lewis's world, you have to you always have to kill somebody for the weapon to work. <laughs> so Mickey also mentions that they know that the cursed antiques call out to their users. Now, this is something I don't think we've heard before, and we never knew for sure. I'm pretty sure we discussed it and speculated about it before, <laughs> but nobody's ever said that. So the people who end up with antiques are not just random, even though sometimes it looks like they are. Right. She said the antiques call out to them. Or they're attracted to them or something. So we always talked about whether that's the case, but nobody's ever said that until season three. So so Jack thinks that this guy must be a vampire hunter. So Kurt goes to Evan's house and kills a guard out in front to get the cross working. He breaks into the house and finds Evan. And he's going to get back at him for killing his wife. And he says so and shows him who he is. So I guess all of this hunting was just to get back at Evan. I thought he had some convoluted idea that he can get Michelle back and fix her. But he thought she was dead all this time. 
Right. So Evan recognizes him, like I said, and he's able to fly out of the window before the light from the sword turns into flames. So Kurt looks around the house and finds two vampires in bed. One tries to attack him, and he kills her with the cross. The other one is Michelle. So he brings her to his house, and they don't show how he even got her there. He brings her to his warehouse. Apparently, he's holed up in a warehouse. And he puts some kind of curtain around her and tells her that it'll protect her because he's got all kind of crosses and stuff all over the place. So this curtain thing is protecting her from all this stuff he has hanging around, crosses and garlic and stuff. And he says it'll protect her until they can go somewhere together so she'll be safe. All right, he's delusional. If he spent 20 years hunting vampires, he should know that she's not the same person she was when she was alive. And she tells him that, but he won't believe it. Yeah. In the meantime, Jack's discovered that the area where the club is is riddled with vampires. Because of all the killings and the bodies found drained of blood and stuff. Uh-huh. But Jack seems to be having some sort of crisis, as they all seem to do eventually. Every once in a while, one of them doesn't know why they're doing this job, and uh-huh. we keep doing it, and nothing ever happens. And, you know, Mickey says, you've saved a lot of lives, and he said, are all the lives they save worth all of the killing? And Mickey says, yes, but he's having some sort of crisis. So I started to think that Jack was leaving the show because of the beginning and the end yeah and this part the fact that he's having some sort of crisis but i did go and check all the credits in all the rest of the episodes (laughs) (laughs) and he's listed there's a couple he's listed as credit only which means they credit him but he's not in the show which has happened all throughout the series Okay. So that's nothing. You know, there's episodes that he's not in. He must have made some kind of deal when he started this show that he didn't have to be in every single episode. So Evan senses that Michelle is in the warehouse and he and his bodyguard break in. Kurt is distracted with trying to kill the bodyguard while Evan breaks into the basement, but he struggles to get to her because of all the crosses and garlic Kurt has hanging around the place. Right. Evan gets close enough to cut his arm so she can drink, but he can't get close enough to her. So he has to leave the room, and she doesn't get fed. So the, the bodyguard manages to get away after only being stabbed in the hand. When Evan gets outside, it's almost daylight, and the bodyguard has to get him in the car before he bursts into flames. The bodyguard reminds him about Jack, who seemed to know about the cross. So they figure maybe he knows something that can help them. Not that Jack would willingly help them. They just figure they can get some information out of him. So Michelle wants Kurt to let her go back. She says she's one of them now. But Kurt, for some reason, thinks that once he kills Evan, Michelle will be free and they could start over. So I don't know what he meant by that. You know, from the vampire stuff I watched, you're you're kind of connected to the person who turned you. Right. Right? Yes. Okay. I I believe that. But he's kind of delusional. I don't know if he thinks that she'll be free, like she won't be a vampire anymore because it doesn't work that way. He is delusional. It's just that he's loved this woman. He was married to her and this is what happened to her. He still loves her, so, you know, some people are not right in the head. Right. So I don't know what he meant by that, whether she'll be free from Evan and to go somewhere with him, or if she'll be free of being a vampire, which it doesn't work that way. Unless they change the vampire rules like they did in the first vampire one we saw. Yeah, I think that he thought that she was going to be free of Evan. Yeah, I wasn't sure, because he's kind of delusional. That's what I think. I could be wrong, but that's what I think. And that's why I wasn't sure. I mean, I know Mm -hmm. that she's not going to be not a vampire anymore, but I didn't know if he thought that because he is, you know, he is what he is. But Michelle knows she's dying, and she tells him he'll have to feed her if he wants her to stay with him. 
So Evan shows up at the store and Mickey invites him in. So I'm wondering if he was standing in the doorway because he couldn't come in unless invited. Because they do technically live there. So it is like their house. Yeah. But she does invite him in. But he left the door wide open. Evan tells them that he saw the cross before the murder of the priest at a property he owns, a warehouse. Now, right then and there, Jack should have known that was not the case because he says he rented the warehouse to a man named Kurt who showed him a cross with a knife blade. Kurt didn't have that knife blade until it was just a couple minutes before the murder, wasn't it? Or maybe, maybe not. Maybe he had it a little longer than I think he did. Yeah, I want to say he had a little longer. Yeah, all right, maybe, okay, never mind, forget that theory. <laughs> I do believe he actually owns the warehouse. I don't think he rented it to him. That's what I'm thinking, too, he owns it. Yeah, but I don't think Kurt rented it from him. I think he just made that up so they would go to the warehouse. Jack looks suspicious and then happens to look in a mirror and sees that Evan has no reflection. He gives them the address and leaves, but he does close the door when he leaves. He didn't close it when he came in, but he closed it when he left. So Jack gets some holy water from the shelf, and he and Mickey leave to get Johnny to go to the warehouse. Jack does know it's a setup. Meanwhile, Kurt goes out to pick up a sex worker to feed Michelle. It looks like he feels bad that he's doing this, but again, he's in love. So Michelle kills her, and Michelle does the hand thing that they did at the table in the restaurant on their honeymoon. So it almost looks like she's back to herself, which she isn't, but I don't know. Jack, Mickey, and Johnny arrive at the warehouse. Kurt thinks it's Evan but he finds Mickey and attacks her. Johnny saves her and gets the cross. Michelle tries to get Kurt to leave and save himself, but he won't. He talks Michelle into turning him so he can be with her forever. She doesn't want to, but she eventually does. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So Jack tells Mickey and Johnny that they have to leave because he knows this was a trap and that Evan would be showing up to get the cross. But Mickey and Johnny run back into the building to save Kurt. I don't know what they thought they were going to do against vampires. Evan and the bodyguards get inside, and the newly turned Kurt kills the bodyguard. Kurt and Evan fight. Michelle talks Evan into not killing Kurt, but Kurt picks up the wooden stake thing that Evan dropped and stakes him through the heart. So he got all, and maybe because he was so old, because he got all, like, slithery and kind of, like, shriveled up. Right. Usually, I'm... <laughs> usually when you see one, it's usually like a puff of dust. Dust. That's it. Right. But the thing is, when Kurt killed the sex worker in the alley, they found her body, they said in the paper. So she didn't shrivel up, burn, or anything. She just died. 
And usually, like we said, when a vampire dies, they either puff into dust or, or shrivel up like this guy. But she didn't because in the paper it said that they found her body. Well, usually just like Jack the Ripper, they find the body. Right, but she was a vampire. Yeah, but she wasn't, yeah, but well, she wasn't a 24-hour yet vampire. So maybe she just died. Maybe got to be in a 24-hour club. I don't know what that means, 24-hour vampire. Got to be a vampire for 24 hours before you can go poof and dust. <laughs> this guy, Evan, was supposed to be thousands of years old. So is that why he shriveled up and she didn't? Yeah, because he has already been in the 24-hour club. <laughs> so, Kurt knocks Johnny down, and Jack comes in and throws the holy water at him, and Kurt burns and dies. Michelle growls as if she's going to attack, and Jack makes Mickey and Johnny leave, and he starts to throw the holy water at her, but he doesn't. And I don't know why. First, I thought he felt sorry for her, and couldn't do it. But then he just kind of tossed the whole bottle away like he was disgusted with the whole thing. He was disgusted with the whole thing. Yeah. He was like, it was like kind of like, what the, what's the point? Yeah, that's what it looked like. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. Well, you got to remember the monologue in the beginning. The way he was talking and stuff like that. Like he's tired. Things sometimes never change. Yeah. You know, at one point he was just disgusted with it all. Because technically, no matter what, she has neither one. Right. So, will she go on? She will never have the love of her life, either one. Right. She's never going to have that again. So, now she's just one of those to ponder around, you know, killing. But he's kind of like, well, she's not the only one. You can't get them all. You know, it was like, who cares? Yeah, that's what it looked like when he tossed. And it almost looked like she was disappointed that he didn't kill her. Yeah, she was, because she knows the torment. Yeah. Johnny and Mickey wait for Jack at the store. Johnny doesn't understand why Jack let Michelle get away. So they're worried that he's not okay. Mickey says that he said some very strange things back there. And I don't know what she's talking about. Did he say some things after they left that we didn't hear? Or is she just talking about the things he said outside? Like, they have to leave. They can't do anything about it. It's not their problem. I don't think it was something like that. Because the way he's been talking is just like... He's feeling like it's like defeat. So Mm -hmm. back at the bench, Jack thinks about all the wisdom that vampires must have, being able to live as long as they do. And he says he almost envies them. Why'd he let her get away? He let her live another day. Whatever she does with that is up to her. I wish I had their wisdom. Some of them have lived thousands of years, seen the building of the pyramids, the glory of the Roman Empire, and must understand more than we do. God help me. And that was pretty much it. I kind of liked it. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Like I said, I liked the change of starting at the end and Jack narrating the story. But I also liked that Jack seemed to be struggling with all of this. And I hope they follow up on that in other episodes. But I'm thinking they won't because they never do. No, we'll see. Because again, I'm looking for character development and there probably isn't going to be any. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But I did like this one. Yeah, I did. Like I said, the opener was it was good because it shows humanity at a defeat. I, I guess you know it's almost like a depression. Yeah, exactly. Mental weirdness. And I always like a good vampire story. Now that first one we saw wasn't really that good because they didn't follow any of the rules. But mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm always up for a good vampire story. Yeah, but even when he killed her, I'm well, he wouldn't be bitter. He didn't kill her. But I'm trying to figure out when he left. It was like, how come we didn't see no? Shadow of bat wings or bats flying up in the air. Come on, a rubber bat is not that expensive. (laughs) Well, that's a clip. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, it's like, 
you know, when I think about the, the monsters and the Adams family, come on now. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a terrible bad. It's not that hard. <laughs> That's what I was hoping for to see some wings outside the window in the shadow. My <laughs> now they could have cut out something. Yeah. <laughs> probably talking the old vampire movies that we used to see that they turned into bats and flew away. Yeah, yeah. those, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dark shadows. Well, you know, grandpa, poof, and there's the rubber bat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just looking for a shadow. Even a shadow would have worked. Yeah. But it wasn't like even that. It was just like you heard, like slapping, but pff, I want to see something. <laughs> You always say something from Halloween and put it in a backdrop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's where I was going with. Anything else on this one? No. Yeah, like I said, I hope they kind of follow up on this story, Jack's whatever he's going through, which would be good. And I'm kind of disappointed already that they're not, I know they're not going to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Oh, let's keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. All right. Well, if you don't have anything else, we'll be back next week. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition. Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko. Pixabay user 147-98912. Free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.